many years ago that if not corrected would be the main reason that God will bring about the downfall of this country. Those two things is the issue of abortion and homosexuality. They top the cake of everything that's wrong in our nation. And I want to start out by saying this. I don't know everybody. I don't know your heart. But with the subject that I'm going to be dealing with today, there may be, very possible may be, maybe a a lady here who's got this issue in her life from, from the past. We're not here to condemn you and to, to down you, but I have done enough study on it. Sister Darlene, myself, has been involved with, with Right to Life for years. And I know that Planned Parenthood don't tell the ladies all the truth when they go in for an abortion. And I know that it brings nightmares, depression, and for many even suicide years after the fact. And if they're by chance, and we've had people in the past, and I've preached messages similar to this, and I didn't know until finally, I remember most vividly getting a call and asking, asking to, Talked talked to me, and she opened up to me. This was a sister that was very dear to us and a part of our church for a long time. And we actually, she grew in grace enough with God. We had her to stand and talk about it one year on Sanctity last Sunday. And that was Sister Faye. And so what I'm telling you, there is healing offered to you from God. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what's in our past. What matters is what's in your future. And I'm here to tell you, you you can't do nothing about your past, but you can alter the course of your future. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ loved you enough to die so you could do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 for our text today. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet. To the nations. Let us pray. Father, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for the privilege to be in your house today. I thank you, God, for this service so far. I thank you, God, for everybody that's here. 
Now, Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, God, to touch me, to help me to deliver this message. This message is so important, God, to your heart. I know it. I know your heart, Lord, and I know it's important to you. So help me, God, to deliver it. Help the hearts to receive it. If there's anybody here, God, that needs healing from this, God, I ask, God, that you will touch them and heal them. And I pray that this message will cause everybody to go out and encourage him to speak up and to speak out and not to be silent any longer. In Jesus' name, let the church say, you can be seated. God was talking to Jeremiah when he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. But although he was talking those words to Jeremiah back in that day, equally, he can say the same thing to everybody that's in this sanctuary today. Because before God formed you in your mother's womb, He knew you. He knew your name before your name was given. He knew where you was going to live. He knew where you was going to graduate high school if you was going to graduate high school. He knew what course of life you were going to be taking. He knew all that about you long before you was even thought of on this earth. He was thinking of you. Before He formed you, He knew you. Before you was born. That's important. I want to talk today on a subject I'm calling for this message, the sacredness of life. The sacredness of life. And I, I please ask for everybody's attention today and if we can keep down from leaving the auditorium as much as possible while we're ministering because I look at this to be a very special message that we need to listen to today. Four years ago, the country of Haiti had 200,000 Men, women, children, and babies who were killed in an earthquake. Pastor Penrod tells me I haven't been to Haiti since that earthquake. But many of those 200,000 people, their bodies are still buried under rubble in the city of Port-au-Prince. Never been dug out. For several years, it was hard to go through the city and walk through the city because the stench of the dead carcasses under all that rubble. 200,000. That sounds like a big number of people, doesn't it? It's a lot. It was one of the greatest loss of lives in our day. They tell us that there's 1.5 million people in America that's homeless. Who don't have a warm place to stay when it gets down to some of the cold temperatures we've been seeing this year. 
1.5 million people. Sounds like a big number as well. And it sure is with no real solutions in sight. In World War II, there were 6 million Jews who were slaughtered by Hitler. Six million. And let me say something right here that wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to say it to let you know the importance of the church speaking out and preachers having enough guts and backbone to stand and preach this kind of message. In our old church, we had some pamphlets, and they got what we had left were destroyed in the fire, and I haven't seen none. I've looked for them. I hadn't been able to find nothing. But we had some pamphlets. And the title of those pamphlets was says, Sing a Little Louder. Some of you may remember those. Sing a Little Louder. And if you would open up one of them pamphlets and read them, it would tell you how the churches that was over in Europe, scattered over the countryside, on Sunday mornings, those churches who were close to train tracks, that while they was having their church services, a train would pass with a bunch of cattle cars, with human beings packed in them like cattle, carrying them off to the death camps to be exterminated. And they were, as they was being carried across the countryside, to go to the certain death camps like Auschwitz and in those places. They would be screaming for somebody to help, somebody to take notice, somebody to do something. Mothers with babies in their arms. And the church people sit on their pews, afraid to speak out, afraid to say anything, but yet they could not stand the sound of those people. So one somebody in the church began to say, let's sing a little louder so we can't hear their screams as the trains go by. My God, how is God going to judge the church on Judgment Day? Six million. Sounds like a lot. And it is. But here's another number. And let me throw that number. Every year that I preach a message similar to this, I have to increase it. The number now is 56 million. Fifty-six million. That's approximately how many have died in America in the Holocaust of the ages since 1973 when the Supreme Court made the decision to make abortion legal, placing our official stamp of approval on a nation upon the death of innocence. 
And just as surely as those precious little ones over the last 40 years awoke in heaven with Jesus, my prayer today is may the babies yet to come this year and in the future years awake to life here on earth as God intended them from the beginning of their life. Hallelujah. We as Americans, and especially Christian Americans, should earnestly pray that once again a mother's womb would be a safe place where life thrives and where there is no danger from outside forces seeking to eliminate and destroy. He called on my Today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Now, I want everybody in this house to understand and know that those 200,000 Haitians, their lives was a miserable value to God and should be to us as well. But as great as that tragedy is, the greatest one is right under our noses in our homeland and is approved by the laws of this land. Church, I'm talking about babies with souls. Since the moment of conception, they can debate in the courts and they can do all they, they want to do. But I stand on what the Word of God says. And the Word of God lets me know at the very a moment of conception, there is a soul in that mother's womb. It is a separate life from the mother. It is not just a blob of flesh or tissue. Babies with souls. Babies who have developed physically with beaten hearts. Eyes opening, hearing ears. Babies, and you've seen the picture at the beginning. Well, he's got it up there again. It's good. Since the advent of ultrasound, they have actually seen when they've had ultrasound on the child during the abortion. They have actually seen the babies recoiling and jerking back in pain, desperately trying to escape their killer. And if the way that the coroner determines that a person is completely dead is by the absence of brain waves, Shouldn't the presence of brainwaves prove that there's life? If you followed our news today, you will see how mixed up our nation's laws have become. There was a Massachusetts woman charged in the death of her nine-year-old daughter an unborn son because she was pregnant. 
she was arraigned on murder and manslaughter charges from a place called Quincy, Massachusetts. Something happened to this lady and she snapped some kind of way. And she fatally stabbed her nine-year-old daughter. And then she took the knife, stabbed herself in the abdomen, killing her unborn baby. And murder charges was brought up for two murders, the nine-year-old and the baby, unborn. What they say is just a fetus or a blob of flesh. Really? Huh. A murder charge for the child and the fetus? Well, why should that lady be charged for murdering the fetus when everybody else gets by with it? Somebody please tell me the difference. I'm a little, maybe I'm a numbskull. I might be a Barney Fife, but I just don't understand the difference. Come on, somebody. There are many groups today who cry out. And in recently in the news, in Ohio, some people are outraged because a convicted murderer and rapist, they said, suffered in the last moments of his life by this new uh, drug that they gave him to, uh, to kill him. They said he's begun gasping for breath and uh, and all that that they they changed the you know the the drug thing that they use and uh, people's all in an uprage about that and an outroar about that and a lot of people they 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 come out against capital punishment and I and I'm not saying yay or against uh, on that that's not my message but I'm just wanting to bring a point across because they say that too many people innocently have been put to death and no doubt that's probably true. But here's the kicker. While you are at work tomorrow, while you're on your job tomorrow, there's going to be approximately 4,000 innocent people submitted to capital punishment, although they have had no trial before they was executed. They have no attorney and will not be granted the basic rights of even a prisoner of war. Not only will they not be treated humanely, not only will they not be afforded the basic uh, 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 anesthetics and used by veterinarians of the world, but they will die a torturous death, some of them being ripped apart by forceps and injected with toxins. The number is 4,000 every day. This is not just a little problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. A man by the name of Francis Safer, he was known to be called a prophet and intellectual. Back in the 70s, when they was debating abortion to make it illegal or not, this is the comment that he made, and it was printed in newspapers across the country. He said, 
that legalizing abortion would put America on a slippery slope of degradation of human life that would eventually lead to euthanasia and such things as physician-assisted suicide. People back then laughed at him and said, no, we're talking just about taking, taking uh, uh, something bad out of, out of somebody, just like uh, cutting a cancer out of somebody. It, it ain't got nothing to do with euthanasia uh, and, uh, or, or nothing like that. Now it's being proved that what he was uh, warning America is, is happening because we have actually we have actually have records and we know of things like euthanasia taking place, suicide assisted by physicians. Church, in God's eyes, life is sacred. But in America, life is scared. Hallelujah. There's another quote. Hallelujah. In God's eyes, life is sacred, but in America, life is scared. Now, I'm talking about the sacredness of life, and I want you to bear with me just a little while longer. I'm going to give you three things today, reasons why life is is sacred. Number one, life is sacred because God created it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Life is sacred because God created it. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. So God created man in his own image. We, we, we are studying the book. We're going plumb through the book of Genesis on Wednesday night. Um, started at the beginning of the year, and, we, and we've already talked about creation and read about creation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Hallelujah. Every time... Conception takes place within the womb of a woman, a miracle takes place. Do you realize that? Hallelujah. Listen, everybody who's ever had a child, it's not because of you and your mate. It's because God created a miracle allowing you to give birth to life. Hallelujah. The work of creation is renewed again and again, and life is formed just as in the beginning when the Lord first revealed His mighty creative hand. Ladies, if you've had children, God gave you that child for a reason. And that child's got a purpose in this life. The Lord God of heaven spoke the universe into existence. But when he created man, he placed his hands in the dirt and formed him out of the dust. And his, um, and his, he placed his little part of himself into that creation, making it more sacred than anything else he had wrought. The creation of mankind is the, cre- is the crowning work of God. So life is sacred because it was God who created it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. 
Let me stop and say this. No child, no child is ever a mistake. And parents should never make their children feel like there was a mistake. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. They're all important. They're important so much that God said it would be better for somebody to take a millstone and tie it around your neck and and throw you off in the depths of the sea, amen, than somebody lay hands on one of these little ones. Hmm? Hallelujah. Life number two, life is sacred. And this is a big issue. This is what's thrown out a lot today. Life is sacred no matter what its condition might be. That's the second point. Life is sacred no matter what its condition might be. There are many people, and it's been... We have heard this in recent times as people debate health care and all this other stuff that, you know, sometimes, sometimes maybe if a person has lived a good long life, uh, we might not, if, even though we have the power to and the ability to not, not perform certain procedures on them or give them uh, a certain type of uh, medicines and stuff, just, just kind of uh, uh, let them become easy and, uh, and just let them go on because they, they, they done lived their life. That's a bunch of bull. Hallelujah. My grandfather, the only one that I had that I could remember, was just as important to me when he had to hop around on a walker. His hugs still mean a lot to me. Hallelujah. Age is going to come to everybody. And some folks better be careful how they how they treat elderly people. You don't know, you know, you don't know what kind of shape you're gonna get in one day. Hello. But people today they say, well, you know, life might be a little bit less important because of certain conditions. Some studies report that as many as ninety percent of couples faced with a report from their doctor that this child that you are pregnant with uh, very likely to have Down syndrome, and it's best that you go ahead and abort. And 90% who will get that report without thinking about it, without praying about it, or considering it whatsoever, will, they say will abort. But I've never known anyone with a Down syndrome child that doesn't tell you that that child is a lot of their life, an absolute joy, the most loving person they've ever been. And I'm going to tell you something. 
we've got we got some folks right here in our assembly. We got one little precious little girl that just loves to get up and start walking and running this aisle. When some of some of you old deadheads there stays in your seat. The doctors were giving all kind of bad reports about that child. I'm going to tell you something. Doctors don't know everything. Hallelujah. Doctors don't know everything. As Travis said a while ago, if you, if, if, if you find yourself with a child and the doctor tells you a child's going to have a certain, be born with a certain kind of, kind of condition, you might ought to consider abortion. Hallelujah. Turn that thing around and do what the Bible says. If anybody is sick, let them call the elders of the church, anoint them of all and pray over them and claim in Jesus' name that child's going to be born whole. I've seen it happen many times. Hallelujah. Max Lakato, anybody know that name? Uh, I enjoy his writings. I've got, uh, well, I had a whole lot more than I got now, but I had at one time pretty near every one of his books. Uh, there's one book that he wrote called The Applause of Heaven. And in, in this book, he tells a story about a sweater that hangs in his closet. Max Lucetta said he don't never wear that sweater because it's too small. The sleeves are way too short. The shoulders are too tight. Some of the buttons are missing. The thread is frazzled. He said logically he should throw that sweater away since he has no use for it and probably will never wear it again. It's just taking up space in his closet. He said, that's what logic says. But Max Licata says, love tells me something else. Why? What, what, what's about it? What's unusual about that sweater? To start with, he said, there's no label in the sweater. There's no tag telling you to wash in cold water only. The reason why is because it wasn't made in the factory. It wasn't produced on a seminary line as a product of a nameless employee earning a living. Rather, it was the creation of a devoted mother expressing her love back in the days and time when things was a little tight and there wasn't enough money to go out and buy a store-bought sweater, knowing her child needed something to keep him warm, took the time to make him a sweater. That sweater is unique. It's one of a kind. It's irreplaceable, Max Lucetta says. Each strand was chosen with care. Each thread selected with affection. Hallelujah. And even though the sweater has lost most of its use, he said it's lost no value to me. It's valuable not because of its function, but it's valuable because of its maker. Hallelujah. And every life is valuable. Even though they might have to spend their life in a wheelchair 
or have all kind of other problems that you say, well, there's no value. I'm going to tell you something. If there's life, if there's a heart still beating, it's valuable to God, and it should be valuable to you. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 14, verse 13 Jesus made a statement. He says, when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. People that we think less perfect is important to God. You see what he says? He said, you go out there when you're going to, if you're going to have a big dinner party. He said, get, go out and get some maimed, some lame, some blind, bring them. Because they're important. They're valuable. Pass a little me on to them. And you know what a little of God is? It's love. It's compassion. One more point and I'm going to close. Life is sacred because of its eternal nature. Hallelujah. Human life was made in God's image. I've already told you that. And the moment of conception received an eternal soul which will continue on even when the body is dead. A lot of people today are trying to take out much of the Bible and what the Bible teaches Everybody's coming up with their own opinions and their own viewpoints and their own belief. But the Bible says, let God's Word be true and everybody else what? Hallelujah. And the Bible lets us know that there's a part of you that comes straight from Him. It's eternal. It's going to exist long after your body rots in a grave somewhere. It's the real you. Hallelujah. I preached a lot of messages, and I preached this a lot, and you probably heard me say this before. When you look at me, you are not looking at Sammy Pruitt. You're only looking in the house he lived in. He lives in. Come on. When I look at you, I'm not seeing the real you. I'm looking at the house that you live in. Now, you drive around town, and you can see some people living, and they can't afford them all, but just a little bitty small one-room house, and you can, you can go in some parts of town, and you can see these huge mansions, you know. So... Anytime somebody want to talk about Brother Scott about me being being hefty, hey, I just got a big mansion right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you know what? I'm planning on moving out of this mansion into a far better mansion. Because the older I get, the harder it is to keep this one up. Hallelujah. I, I don't I don't I don't want to bring no doubt or worry on anybody that any of y'all young ones that, that that's getting you know the, uh, thinking about here in a year or two or three or whatever stepping over from thirty into forty I don't I don't want to bring no no doubt in your mind but I'm gonna tell you something happened to me that when I crossed over back when I crossed over in the forties man it just fell apart Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. What didn't break down, drop down. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it takes the older I get, the long, the more it takes to keep this house up. Hallelujah. Amen. Just kind of like that old church we had over there. Amen. If you didn't see Brother Bobby standing up front teaching, next near place he would be would be up on the roof patching. Hallelujah. It it took a lot. We spent enough money on patching that building and to buy, buy this place a couple times, I believe, over through the years. Hallelujah. But you know what? One of these days, as we play the, the video of moving forward, and, and, and we can watch that old building being torn down. One of these days, this old building that I'm living in, it's coming down. It's coming apart. I'm not, hey, it don't bother me like some people, man, get scared of talking about, talking about death and talking about dying. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because I know, hallelujah, as the song that, uh, that Dottie Rambo wrote uh, several years ago, uh, amen, this house of flesh is only a prison. Bars of bones hold my soul. But one day the doors of clay is going to burst wide open. Hallelujah. When the hills of home start calling me, hallelujah, I'm going to move. And imagine they're going to have no words and upkeep. Life is sacred because of its eternal nature. I'm going to get Brother Darrell to come on up. I'm going to wind this up. Hallelujah. I want you to understand today. That all life is important to God. But more than your physical life, your spiritual life is of high importance to Him. Because I promise you, you are going to live forever somewhere. You're going to live forever somewhere. And guess what? There's only two destinations. Hallelujah. Only two destinations. If there's anybody in the house who needs any kind of healing over things in the past, let God take care of that for you. Let Him touch you. Let Him make you whole. If there's anybody who haven't given their life and yielded to the Lord, Today would be a great day to do it on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. You can come and you can receive eternal life. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. If anybody